Uh, well, if you're snuck in later, in, uh, in case you missed it, my name is Chris, and we're really glad that you're uh, here with us at Beyond tonight. Uh, if this is your first time to church, you're actually joining us in part two of a series that we're doing called Visioneering. Uh, and if you don't know what a series is, the way we like to do things here is we'll camp out on an idea or a theme or a topic and we'll dive deep and we'll pick it apart over a number of weeks. And uh, just in case you're an English major, yes, we know visioneering is not a real word. Uh, we kind of smashed vision and engineering together. And the, the, the reason we did this is, is because the main idea, the whole idea that we want you to take away from this series is that everyone ends up somewhere in life. Everyone ends up somewhere in life, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. In fact, you may know people in your life, uh, you may know older people, you may know people your age, and they look back and you may be with them when they said it, or you maybe heard them recount it to you, but they say, I don't know how it got to this. I don't know how I ended up here. One minute I thought I was heading this direction, the next second I don't know how I got here. And the real reason behind this series that we're launching it at the start of the year is because we want you to end up somewhere on purpose. We don't want you to be someone who, uh, who wakes up one day and you go, I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea where, I, where I'm headed. We want you to uh, move somewhere on purpose. And so we started to unpack this last week and, and Josh was here. And if you missed it, uh, I'm going to give you a quick recap, but uh, I'd encourage you to jump online to our SoundCloud. Uh, you'll find all of part one up there and you'll find part two up here tonight. But really, we started to unpack an autobiography of a man who began to craft a vision. And this guy, uh, his name's Nehemiah. So just to get us all on the same page, Nehemiah wrote this account of what happened. And he wrote in the time of the Jewish exile. Now, in case you're like one of the like, uh, 99% of us who have no idea when the Jewish exile happened, uh, it was around 450 BC. So Nehemiah wrote this, his autobiography in about 450, 445 BC. And what had happened in this Jewish exile is, as you can guess, the nation or the Jewish people were exiled out of their land. So they, they had a city that was kind of their capital city, and it was called Jerusalem. And in that day and age, uh, any army, if you were big enough, could take whatever you wanted. In fact, the way we put it last week was might equals right. If your army was big enough, if you were the strongest, if you were the baddest and you wanted it, you could go and you could take it, and there was not a thing anyone could do to stop you. And so what happened was the Babylonians decided, well, we want that Jerusalem. That city looks pretty good. And so they went in and they, they uh, took control of the city. And then about 70 years went by and then the Persian army rose up. And they decided, well, we want to take that city. And so they went in and they plundered Jerusalem and they took control of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is writing this autobiography. Uh, he's a Jewish man but he's never been to Jerusalem. His whole life it has been under occupation, first by the, the Babylonians and then by the Persians. And so Nehemiah is writing this account 1,600 kilometers away from Jerusalem in a little city called Susa. And Susa is the capital of the Persian Empire. And one day one of Nehemiah's brothers comes to him and, he, and, and, and they're talking about Jerusalem. His brother has made the 1,600-kilometer trek from Jerusalem. And, and Nehemiah asked him, he says, what's it like? What's, what's happening back in Jerusalem? And his brother, his brother's really honest with him. He says, look, it's not, it's not going the way we thought it was going to go. It's not going well. In fact, in fact, uh, the city wall has been decimated and the gate to the city has been absolutely burnt to asunder. And Nehemiah in that broke down in tears and just started crying. He was so upset. And maybe, maybe you're kind of like me and you read that and you go, what a sook. 
Like, why is he crying over a wall? Like, what's the purpose? Why is this wall so special that it brought this, this man to tears? And the reason it brought this man to tears was because in that day and age, if you had a city, you, put, you built a wall around it as a way of protecting you from oncoming armies. Even if your city wasn't uh, big enough and your army wasn't strong enough, if you had a wall built around your city, you could see out and you would be able to see when the armies were advancing and so you'd be able to position your archers and you'd be able to position your soldiers around the edge of the city and hopefully repel the, uh, the invading army. However, Jerusalem didn't have a city. I'm sorry, didn't have a wall. Jerusalem didn't have a gate. And this just, this absolutely broke Nehemiah's heart. Now, Nehemiah at the time was working for the king of Persia. And this king, this, this guy's name is just awesome. If you want to start a clothing line, if you want to start like a death metal band, you should take this guy's name and you should use it as the name of your clothing line, a death metal band. His name was King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, uh, which kind of had like a good side and a bad side to it. The bad side, the downside of this position was he was the cupbearer. So anything that the king drank, Nehemiah had to screen before it went to the king. So if someone was trying to poison the king, Nehemiah had to drink it first. So that's a downside. The upside is that this role was kind of like a special advisory role to the king. So Nehemiah had the ear of the king and he could kind of uh, persuade the king of Persia to do things that that he needed done or or the king would listen to him when it came to uh, certain advice. And Nehemiah is is, uh, broken over this war. And and the real big idea that we talked about last week is vision begins as a concern. Vision begins as a concern. Nehemiah was concerned that Jerusalem didn't have a wall around it. He didn't know what to do. He was upset about it, but he didn't know what to do. And so this week, we are going to launch off our, our discussion where we ended last week. And we ended last week with a question. Uh, and it was a question that King Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah. And, uh, and uh, the question is this, what do you want? What do you want? And we asked it a little bit differently. If you were here last week, you'd be like, you didn't ask that question. At the end of the message last week, Josh, Josh asked a question. He said, on your 80th birthday, on your 80th birthday, if you had a family member, someone in your workplace, maybe someone from your church, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, what would, they, what would you want them to say about your life? What would you want them to say? And what we said to you, said, go away and think about that for this week. At the end of your life, this whiteboard is severely, it's just about to fall over. It's a workplace health and safety hazard. Don't tell anyone. What do you want out of life? And maybe you went away and you thought about this, that this week. And if you didn't think about that this week, if you knew for the first time, you can just think about it really, really quick. But that is a difficult question to answer, isn't it? It's, what do I want at the end of my life? And maybe, maybe some of you are like, that's, that's kind of an easy question. I had, a, I had an easy time. But for some of us, it's a really hard question. For some of us, we're having a notebook moment trying to figure this out. For some of us, guys, it is like asking your girlfriend or your wife or your sister or your mom where she wants to eat. They just, you know, where would you like to eat? Well, I don't know. You pick. How about McDonald's? Nah, not really feeling it. Well, okay, what about we go to the Italian joint? Nah, I wasn't really feeling Italian. Okay, what about we go to, what about we go to that place uh, that does breakfast for dinner? Nah, I'm not really feeling breakfast food. And all of a sudden it culminates in this moment. What do you want? 
It's not that easy. And the guy's like, it is that easy. Just tell me what you want. And for some of us, for some of us, that's kind of what it's like. We're like, well, I, I know what I don't want at the end of my life, but, but I'm not really quite sure what I want people to say about my life. And so I thought what, uh, one way we could break this down and make it a little bit easier to launch it off is, let's, uh, what do you want this year? What do you want just for this year? Some of you may have already done this. You might have called it a New Year's resolution. And you decided at the end of the year... I want certain things. And you might, have even, you might have even listed them out. You got really, really organized and you got bullet points and some of you are like, bullet points? No, no way. And some of you, maybe, maybe your New Year's resolution was, I want to end the year less stressed. I want to procrastinate less. In fact, I'm going to make a plan to make a plan to stop procrastinating about my procrastination. Maybe for some of you, you wanted to end the year with, with more money. You know, you're thinking, I need to begin to save because I want to go to Europe at the end of the year and I, I, I need uh, to have some money in the bank account. And so whatever it is for you, what do you want? What's your New Year's uh, resolution? And what I was just thinking, so many of us, for so many of us, it's really easy to make a New Year's resolution, right? It's really easy to think, oh, well, this is what I would like to have at the end of the year. But it's really, really hard to keep it. It's really, really hard to keep it. In fact, I was just talking to uh, uh, one of the guys here who works in a gym, literally as we were uh, getting set up, and I said, oh, how's the work going? He said, well, it's a little busy, but in a couple of weeks, do not worry, it will die off. In a couple of weeks, don't worry, it'll die off, it'll all be over. In fact, we're only 22 days into January, but some of you have decided where you want to be at the end of the year, and already you're looking at the the calendar and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of the year. So why is it, why is it that we know what we want, but we often have such a hard time getting to where we want to be? So this is you, or me, it's the gender neutral stick figure, (laughs) mainly because I can't draw. And this, if you imagine, is the timeline of the year. This is the timeline that you have this year. And at the end of the year, you've decided what you want out of this year. And everything starts off really well for about the first three or four days. Thank you. Everything starts out really, really well for the first three or four days. But why is it that it can start off so well and we can know where we want to end up, but all of a sudden we don't get there? And it's because along the way, things happen. We get these other little wants. And let's just pick on gym people because that's an easy one to pick on. But you want to be fit at the end of the year. You want to have six-pack abs. You want to run that kilometer in under four minutes or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, this is your want for the year, but then all of a sudden, January 2nd rolls around and I want to binge watch 16 hours of Netflix and eat all the chocolate in the house. And then January 3rd rolls around and I've got to outdo my Netflix binge. In fact, it would be pointless to leave it at 16. I reckon I can go 18 hours on my Netflix binge. And all of a sudden, we are off track and we start to move. We know where we want to go. We still want to have that six-pack abs. We still want to save that money. We still want to be less stressed at the end of the year. But all of a sudden, we know where we want to go, but we don't know how to get to where we want to go. We let the desires of our day 
We let the desires of the here and the now get in the road of our dreams and our hopes and our vision for the year and potentially, if we're not careful, the dreams and the hopes and the visions for our life. So, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Out of this entire series, this is the message that you are going to dislike the least. This is going to be the most difficult message of all four to wrap your heads around and I'm going to tell you why up front. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you something that you don't want to do and then I'm going to try and show you why it's a good, uh, why you should do it. I'm going to try and, and explain to you why if you really want to get where you want to be, you are going to have to do something that you do not like and I do not like to do. So hopefully you hang in here and if you can hang in through this week, parts three and parts four is where we really start to get some traction and we really start to show you how you can turn your vision uh, into uh, reality. So the thing that, having said that, the thing that I, you are going to push back against, the thing that I need you to do if you want your vision and if you want your dreams to become a reality is this. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be patient. And, and I know that, that some of you are sitting there and you're like, well, Chris, I don't know whether you know, but I'm more of a doer. I don't really like to sit around that much. Like, once I know what I want, like, I'm straight after it, you know. And there's none of this patience stuff for me. But if we could just be honest for a second. You, you and I know that, that the most important things in life require us to be patient. You can't just form a deep friendship overnight. You can form a friendship overnight. But you can't form a deep friendship with shared memories and shared experiences overnight. That takes time. Parents, if you've got a mum or dad, you just can't reconnect with with your parents if you've had a a rough upbringing or perhaps there's been some disconnection. That takes time. In fact, if you've gone to high school or you've gone to university, you know you can't achieve something straight away. It takes three years, four years to get that degree. If you're doing medicine, it takes six or your life. I don't know how long those guys study. Lawyers, you know, it takes a long time. Those things that are the most worthwhile in life need us to be patient. So what I'm going to do is I want to show you how you can be patient productively. In fact, I want to show you what happened after Nehemiah felt the concern about the fact, uh, around the idea that the walls of Jerusalem were knocked down. And I want to show you how Nehemiah used his patience productively. But, but before I do, I just need to make one thing really clear. Patience is different from procrastination. Procrastination has no focus. What I'm asking you to do is have focus with where you're going to. Procrastination has no focus. Procrastination moves all over the place and it tries to stop you from doing something. What we're going to look at tonight, being patient productively, is going to uh, need you to be focused on where you're moving. And I want to show you how Nehemiah did that. After Nehemiah found out that the wall was broken, he writes this. He says, For some days... For some days, two days, three days, some of us think for some days, maybe seven. Seven days is some days, right? Well, Nehemiah didn't actually mean for some days. He he actually, uh, this is uh, written within a context and it was actually four to five months. I went on the short side because I I know some of us are impatient. So I went on the short side. So for four months, Nehemiah did something. And within the four months, he first of all, he says, I mourned and I fasted. 
I mourned and I fasted. In other words, I mourned because of this concern. There was something that broke my heart, and then as a result of mourning, I went and fasted. Now, I I realize that uh, maybe some of you who are not church, uh, you haven't grown up in the church, you hear that word fast, and you're like, what is that? Is that like a detox? Like, what is that? Do I go on a cleanse or something? And even for some of you who have grown up in the church, you've heard this word fast, and you're like, what is that? What does that mean? I hear people talk about it, but it just kind of seems weird or freaky. Really, really what it does is, and what Nehemiah is, is doing, and we don't know exactly what he fasted from, but uh, I'm going to take me, for example. I love coffee. Oh, man, I love coffee. It is like the elixir of God. If you need proof that God exists, you just need to drink a cup of coffee, and there's your proof. Um, and so for me, if I was to fast, what I would do is I would, I would stop drinking coffee. And what happens when you fast from something that you crave or something that you really, really like is you, you think about it, right? You think about it and you say, oh, man, oh, man, I really love a cup of coffee. Man, I would love a cup of coffee right now. I'd love two cups of coffee right now. And so the purpose of fasting is that when you stop drinking or eating that particular thing, is you're caused to think about the reason that you're fasting. And so Nehemiah is fasting, not to get something from God, but to be constantly reminded that there's something that concerns me. The wall in Jerusalem back home is destroyed, and that's a concern, and I don't know what to do about it. But by fasting, I'm going to bring it to the front and center of my mind every day, perhaps a couple of times a day, who knows what Nehemiah was craving, Um, and I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to begin to plan how to move on my concern. I'm not just going to say, hey, this is a concern out there. I'm going to actually make a plan to move on my concern. So first of all, Nehemiah fasted. And then it says, uh, not only did he fast, but he prayed before the God of heaven. In other words, for four months, Nehemiah is constantly thinking about this concern. The walls of Jerusalem are down. How do I fix it? What do I do? What do I do? What's what's the plan? And as he begins to think about it, day in, day out, day in, day out, he begins to formulate a bit of a plan. But then it's not enough for him to just have this plan. What he does is he goes day in and day out before God and he says, God, this is what I'm thinking. But I believe that you actually have a plan for my life. God, I actually believe that the thing that I'm concerned about, that you've put it on my heart by divine design to be concerned about it. So what do you think about my plan so far? God, I noticed that this thing that I'm concerned about, none of my friends are concerned about. You know, and maybe you know a friend like that, maybe you're that friend, where there is something that just burns you up inside that you are so concerned about that you, you want it to be fixed so bad. And it doesn't seem to affect anyone else. And Nehemiah is sitting there and so... He's praying to God and he goes, God, I need your help. Would you do it differently? Would you, keep, would you keep what I'm doing? Would you change what I'm doing? What would you do differently? And so if you're smart, you already know. The two things Nehemiah did during this four-month period was he planned and he prayed. Now, I already know that there are some of you who are at this moment having an internal fight in your head with me and you're saying, I'm not going to plan. I am not going to plan, Chris. I know you want me to plan, but I am not a planner. I like to fly by the seat of my pants. I just like to wing it. You know, I'm not, I just kind of, I just kind of rock up and the magic happens. But chances are, chances are, if I was to, to look at the last month of where you spent your time and who you hung out with, I'd be able to say, hey, you seem to spend a lot of time doing these few things, maybe binge watching Netflix or hanging out with friends or 
you know, if you're like me, you're at the coffee shop all the time. Chances are, if we look to the next month, you're going to have a similar pattern, aren't you? And you'd probably say, oh, yeah. You've got a plan for how you spend your time. Chances are, if I was to look at your bank account, and I was to look at where you spent your money over the last month or two months or three months or a year, and then I was to look to the future, I would say, do you reckon you're going to be spending money on the same things that you've been spending money on for the last year? Maybe you've got a few more bills now. Maybe you've got a few more expenses. You bought a car or something. And so that adds up. But you have a plan. You just don't know it. Isn't it worth knowing the plan that you have? And I know there's some of you sitting there and you're like, why are you picking on me? Like, why me? And the reason I'm pushing it, the reason I'm, I really want to challenge you on this is, is because you already have a plan for your life, whether you know it or not. The way you spend your time, the way you spend your money is leading you somewhere in life. And I just want you to know where you're going. I just want you to end up there on purpose. And I believe and we believe that Jesus has a plan for your life. And that Jesus, your heavenly father, wants you to end up somewhere on purpose as well. So in light of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. And we have have this thing here at Beyond, it's called For Monday. Because uh, we believe that there's no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't impact you, if it doesn't change you for the rest of the week. And so this is the question that I want to ask you and I want you to think on this week. What would it take? What would it take for you to consider 2017 a success? What would it take for you in your career at school to consider 2017 a success? What would it take for you financially What would it maybe take for you relationally to consider 2017 if you get to December 31st and you look back and you would say, yes, I nailed 2017. I absolutely kicked it out of the park. What would it take for you to consider it a success? And then I want you to to ask another question. Uh, Well, sorry, I want you to kind of do something. I want you to ask, what would you need to plan for in order to make 2017 a success? In other words, when you have that, that thing in your mind that you know, if I, if I can get to 2017, uh, 2017 at the end and I've done this, it's a success, what would you need to plan for in order for, to make that a reality? And, and the last one is, what would you need to pray for to make that a reality by the end of 2017? Because after four months of planning and praying, fasting and praying, Nehemiah was doing his usual thing, being the cupbearer to the king. And for some reason, he looked sad, and he'd never looked sad in the king's presence before. And King Artaxerxes asked him that question. He said, Nehemiah, what do you want? What's wrong? How can I help? And this was Nehemiah's response. If he said, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild the wall. All of a sudden, this concern, this concern that started with a heartbreak over the walls being broken, four months later after planning and praying turned into a vision. I know what I need you to do. I know what I need you to help me with. I need you to let me go so I can rebuild the wall. And you might not be, you might not be sure I, I get it. You, you're not sure at this stage. You're still kind of pushing back. You're like, ah, you haven't really sold me on the whole patience thing, Chris. 
You haven't really sold me as to, you know, like I get that like I should plan and I should pray and like I get that stuff, you know, like that typical Christian thing to say, but, but really why? What, what will it benefit me? And as we wrap up, as we close uh, this message out tonight, I want to give you three things, just three things to think about the benefits of being patient productively. If you're patient productively, the first thing that happens is the vision matures in you. The vision matures in you. All of a sudden, you see Nehemiah wanted to, you know, wanted to do something about the walls but didn't know exactly what to do. And then four months later, he, knew, he knows exactly what to do. I need to rebuild it. And we're going to find next week that he actually had a plan about how he was going to do it. The second thing is that you begin to mature for the vision. Maybe, maybe one of the things that you want at the end of 2017, you know that you're not quite ready for. And you know that if you were to get it right this second, that maybe there's something going on in your life. Maybe there's something that you're wrestling with. Uh, maybe there's something you're dealing with in your character. You, you know, I want this, but I'm just not quite ready for it. When you're patient, you actually begin to mature for the vision that God has for your life. And then the third thing is that when you're patient, God actually goes to work behind the scenes. So what we, uh, what, and what you may not know about this story is before Nehemiah went to King Artaxerxes, there'd been a number of people that had approached him before. And they said, hey, can we go back and can we rebuild this wall of Jerusalem? And he said, no, no way. If anyone goes back, I want you to stop them. I want you to kill them. No one is going back to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But God went to work behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, when Nehemiah plans and prays, he's given the opportunity to go back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And the bottom line, the bottom line, if you take nothing else away from tonight, is this. Vision rarely requires immediate action. It will require patience. Because ultimately, I don't want your 2017 to just be a success. I want your life to be a success. I want you to look back on your life when you're 80 or when you're 85 or when you're 90 and, you say, and you're able to say, I got somewhere on purpose. Where I arrived at, I arrived at on purpose. And you're able to do that by being patient productively. And just, just as we close, I just want to share one thing. Because maybe you're, you're thinking, well, that's great. You've just talked in a whole heap of hypotheticals, Chris, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes to be patient. And this, this place that, that you're sitting in right now, this community that maybe you've just come into the, for the first time, or maybe you're actually a part of it, uh, we launched this 18 months ago with the vision to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. And 18, uh, so, but six to nine months before that, there was a team who was planning and praying all the way up to launch date. And we had a launch date in mind and we knew this is our launch date. This is where it's going to be. It's going to happen. Everything's going to go off. And we had a plan. And we had this awesome master plan that if once a month we could have live music, that was just going to be the biggest win on earth for us. If we could have live music once a month, everything would be awesome. The rest of the time, uh, we'll, just play, we'll just play like backing tracks and we'll just sing a weird version of Christian karaoke, okay? Like, we were just like, we'll get through it somehow. We didn't even know if we were going to have a band on the nights we'd have live worship. We just thought, maybe we'll have a backing track and someone will stand up there and lip sync. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And then, then one day, one of, one of our uh, people on team came to us and they were like, hey, what if we just push it back six weeks? I, I really just feel I've been praying about it and I think we should maybe push it back six weeks. And maybe for some of you, you're like, oh, whatever, God doesn't talk. And that's okay. I don't, I don't ask you to believe that. But 
we, we listened and there was a few of us who were like, oh, yeah, maybe we've been feeling the same thing as well. And so we pushed it back six weeks and we launched uh, in June of uh, 2014, actually it was, yeah, 2014. Oh, no, 2015, 2015, yeah, thank you for that, 2015. And we have always had live music every single week as a result of that. Because when you plan and when you pray, you give God an opportunity to go to work behind the scenes. So this week, ask yourself, what will it require for you to have a successful 2017? And what will it take for you to look back and say, I've had and I've lived a successful life that ended up where I wanted to be on purpose? Because vision rarely requires immediate action. It will require patience, though. I'd love you to join me in prayer, and I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Heavenly Father, being patient is something that... It's a struggle to do sometimes. And it can even be a bit more of a struggle to not procrastinate while we're being patient. So, Father, I pray for people here tonight. Maybe they've got a vision, or they've got a dream for their life, but maybe they think, that's beyond me. That's too big. I don't know if I'm able to achieve that. And Lord, I pray that they would dream that dream, you know, what it would take for 2017 to be successful, what it would take for their life to be successful. And Father, I just pray that they would set aside a period of time, maybe four months, to plan and to pray about it. To plan for, for the steps that they'll need to take and to pray that you'll go to work behind the scenes, to pray for you to show up in the gaps that they currently have. Lord, we, we thank you for this autobiographical work that is preserved in the Old Testament. We thank you that Nehemiah wrote down this incredible uh, event, this incredible series of events so that we can learn from it. And Father, I pray that you would help us uh, go out this week and continue to engineer that vision for our life so that we can end up somewhere on purpose because we know that you want us to end up somewhere on purpose. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.